0: And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a broadcast on over for Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast. Good wine and great laughs. Season seven, episode sixteen. And today's topic is Helen, Detroit, the Trojan War, and Fashion recreation. You know shortly the type of wine I am drinking. So, ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go. Alright, ladies and gents, once again, this is a boy over from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 7, Episode 16. And once again, ladies and gents, today's topic is Helen of the Troy, The Trojan War and Facial Recreation. And today is Saturday, November the 18th, 2023, and the weather here in Orlando. We build the partly cloudy skies, highest of 78 and lowest of 61. But before I jump right on today's topic, ladies and gents, I have to talk about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And ladies and once again I have another Italian wine, but this one this time is a red wine. Alright, I believe the company that imported this wine from Italy. It's imported by Albarello Imports. They changed the name to paint the town red blend because in the back, the back label you say right here that the wine's name is Pulia, Puglia Rosso is a vintage of 2018. There is no other information as far you know the history about the wine, what is made, yada 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 it just say here selection of the nadia galati alcohol percent of this wine is 13 percent alcohol once again it's a red wine and i believe it's a red blend and it's from italy once again so first time have this wine over here so let's see what this wine is all about and like i always say in every episode you can see a beautiful picture of this today wine of the day on all my social medias such such as instagram my facebook page and also linkedin you can see a beautiful picture of the wine of the day as well you can see the image of that on the summary of today's episode on my youtube channel ladies and gents all right, I like the way the bouquet of this wine. It's, it's, it's delicious. Love the, this dark ruby color. All right, ladies, this wine is very good. My personal opinion of this wine over here, I definitely would give a 10 of this wine. The only thing that to me, I'm tasting right now, even though this wine it tastes pretty, pretty good, it is also rich on tannins. For those that are new to the wine, that means if the wine is full of tannins, it's rich in tannins, that means you're going to feel a sensation of dryness in your mouth and your palate. And personally want to drink and when I drink this type of wine I drink a lot of water as well because I definitely don't want to wake up in the middle of the night <laughs> in the midst of the night <laughs> feeling like I ate 10 pounds of sand so very good wine ladies and gents I definitely give a 10 for this wine over here this wine is definitely made a spot Got a spot on my wine collection right here at Casa Casanova. But once again, this wine is not for the, those that like sweet red wine. That's not for you, ladies and gents. But, alright. Let's talk about the topic of the day, ladies and gents. And the reason that I decided to go on this route today. Today's is more about entertainment than anything else. And for those that love ancient, ancient history... You're definitely going to like this episode. Probably if you look, you definitely saw too many movies about it. You know, historical fact about the the, the Trojan War, Helen of Troy, as well on the movie that make a lot of money in the uh, in the booth theaters was Troy with Brad Pitt. But the, the my sources is from this. This channel that always does great, great historical information is the Royalty Now Studios, and beside the historical facts about the figures that they're describing, they're talking about, they also make a full drawing, if you want to call, you know, using high technology to recompose and to recreate how these important historical figures look like and how they look like nowadays too so it's very interesting and i really like all the information that they have as far history is concerned you know i also have them as a source when i talk about the chevalier saint george that was a great information as well so that's an episode that i made during the summer check it out there as well so let's jump right on it and very very great information so let me stop the background right here give me one second ladies and gents all right let's go over here and here we go once again royalty Now, students, cry this to them.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Royalty Now, where we bring you face-to-face with figures from the past and talk about their history. Helen of Troy is known in Greek mythology as the most beautiful woman in the world, the face that launched a thousand ships. Today, we'll tell you her story, and then I'll reveal my reconstruction of what the perfect Greek woman would have looked like, and you can judge for yourself. So let's go ahead and get started. To know Helen of Troy, we must know the story of the Trojan War. Almost 3,000 years ago, a blind poet named Homer wrote his epics, Iliad and Odyssey, which would become some of the most influential pieces of literature of all time. In the Iliad, Homer writes the story of an immense war, larger than there had ever been before, between Troy and the kings of Greece. The reason why so many men fought in this war was Helen and her legendary beauty. Helen of Troy was born Helen of Sparta, the daughter of the Spartan queen. By the time she had grown into a young woman, rumors had spread throughout Greece of her beauty and great men from all over Greece began seeking her hand in marriage. But a problem soon arose, with so many of the richest men and greatest warriors fighting for her hand. Helen was worried that whoever she ended up choosing would soon be killed by the others. To prevent any conflict and fearing for their own lives, the men were convinced by Odysseus to swear an oath to protect the man that Helen chose and even to come to his aid if Helen was ever stolen from him. Obviously hoping to be the one chosen by Helen, every man agreed to this bargain. The man that she would end up choosing was Menelaus of Mycenae, younger brother to the richest king in all of Greece, Agamemnon. The other suitors would leave their wedding, not knowing that the oath they had just sworn to prevent conflict would begin the largest war they would ever see. On the other side of the Aegean Sea, the Trojans lived rich and powerful in a beautiful city called Troy, Which was surrounded by indestructible walls that had never been breached, and many thought they had been made by the gods themselves. The Trojan king Priam was an old and beloved king who had many children. Among them was Prince Hector, one of the most respected warriors in the known world. Brave and loyal, he was everything a man could want from a son and heir. And then there was Paris. Prophecy was told that Paris would bring destruction to Troy. But Paris' mother, Queen Hecuba, could not bring herself to kill him. She would instead give him to a shepherd to do the deed, but the shepherd could not do it either, instead deciding to raise him as his own son. Everyone in Troy was relieved, believing the prophecy had been diverted, but fate had something else in mind for Paris and for Troy. Far away, on Mount Olympus, the gods were celebrating a wedding. All the gods and heroes from Greece had been invited, except for one, Eris, the goddess of discord. She was angry and jealous of being left out, and she would decide to do what she did best. She created a golden apple with the inscription, to the most beautiful. She tossed the apple into the party, knowing the chaos it would cause. Soon. The goddesses Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite were viciously arguing over this golden apple. Zeus, the king of all the gods, did not want to anger any of his goddesses, so he chose another solution. He would select a humble shepherd, known for his good judgment, to decide who received the golden apple. The shepherd that Zeus chose was none other than the lost prince of Troy, Paris. Each goddess promised to give Paris a gift if he chose them as the most beautiful. Hera offered to make him a king. Athena offered to make him the greatest warrior the world had ever seen. But Aphrodite knew what Paris really wanted, love. Her offer was the love of the most beautiful woman in the world. So Paris chose Aphrodite, and in return, he was given instructions, go to Sparta and find Helen. When the two finally met, Aphrodite made sure it was love at first sight, and Helen could not imagine her life without Paris from that day forward. They would run away together, secretly stowing away in a ship. And with no other place to go, Paris would travel back home to Troy. When they arrived, the Trojan king Priam saw his long-lost son, Paris, for the first time since his birth. He immediately recognized him and welcomed him back with open arms. When introduced to Helen, the Trojan king and his people were mesmerized by her beauty and crowds would gather just to glimpse the beautiful Helen. But Prince Hector was not as happy to see his long lost brother. He recognized Helen of Sparta and knew what chaos her presence would cause. Menelaus would never let Helen go. In fact, Hector knew Menelaus would declare war on Troy, and that he would not be coming alone. Finding his wife gone, Menelaus was enraged. He would immediately call on all the kings and princes, the richest and greatest men in all of Greece, to honor the pact that they had made. But first, he would go to his brother. Agamemnon was the most powerful king in all of Greece, and he would be the first to land on the Trojan shores and avenge this slight. But even with his large force, Agamemnon knew that Greece had little chance against the Trojans and their legendary defenses. The hopes of all of Greece relied on one warrior, Achilles. Said to be the son of Zeus himself, shortly after his birth, Achilles' mother had dipped his body in a river that granted immortality, But she was holding the baby boy only by his heel as she dipped him, and she forgot to submerge him entirely. As Achilles grew into a man, he dreamed of being the greatest warrior the world had ever seen. And the Trojan War gave him that chance. With Achilles recruited, Agamemnon and Menelaus set sail, with a thousand ships headed directly for Troy and for Helen. When the army finally arrived, They were met with Troy's enormous city walls, and the siege of Troy would begin. But time and time again, they would fail, and days turned into weeks, turned into months, with no progress. Nine years would come to pass, with Troy's legendary walls still standing. But other things had changed drastically. Over the course of the war, Achilles had grown to hate Agamemnon. And in the 10th year, he decided he was done fighting for him. With their greatest warrior now gone, the Greeks began to take heavy losses, and soon an offer was given to the Trojans. In order to end the war once and for all, Menelaus and Paris would fight to the death for Helen. The two men would decide the fate of every soldier on the battlefield. With both armies looking on, Paris and Menelaus began their duel And from the very beginning, it was obvious that the shepherd, Prince Paris, was no match for the warrior, King Menelaus. When Paris fell to the floor, Menelaus was ready to strike the final blow. But before he could reach Paris, Aphrodite reached down and removed Paris from the battlefield, reuniting him with Helen. With tears in his eyes, Paris would hold on to Helen, happy to be alive and be in love. But Helen had just seen his terrible defeat, and his escape that had no honor, and her love for Paris began to fade. Prince Hector, too, had watched his brother and cringed with embarrassment at his brother's defeat. Knowing that countless more Trojan men would die because of the war, Hector took things into his own hands. He said goodbye to his family, his wife and baby, and led his men outside of the walls, They would attempt one final push, to drive Agamemnon and his forces out of Troy for good. Hector and his army began to push into Agamemnon's forces with no fear of death. The daring attack caught Agamemnon by surprise, and soon the Trojan forces were ripping through the Greeks, pushing them all the way back into the sea. But just as the defeat of the Greek forces looked imminent, Achilles' iconic armor is seen on the battlefield. Just the sight of his armor is enough for the Greeks to begin fighting back against the brink of defeat. Achilles was there to save them. Fear began to spread through the Trojans and the battlefield soon turned into chaos with men fleeing and fighting everywhere. Seeing the perfect moment in all the chaos, Hector would charge directly at Achilles, expecting the fight of his lifetime. But with just one drive of his spear, Achilles' body falls with a thud to the shock and awe of everyone. Hector slowly removes the helmet from who he believed to be Achilles, but instead finds Patroclus, Achilles' closest friend, dead before his eyes. It turned out that a desperate Patroclus had stolen Achilles' armor in order to inspire the Greeks to fight back one last time. And while he had succeeded, he had lost his life in doing so. The Greek army would quickly fight off the remaining Trojans and grab Patroclus, bringing his body to Achilles. When Achilles saw Patroclus dead, he felt nothing but monumental anguish, and he even contemplated taking his own life. But soon, his grief would turn into rage, And he could think of nothing else but revenge against the man that had killed Patroclus. Achilles quickly scanned and found Hector on the battlefield, began to chase him down until Hector finally turned to face him. With rage fueling his movements, Achilles would quickly get Hector off balance, and Hector fell to the ground. Knowing his life was over, Hector asked of Achilles just one thing, that Achilles treat his body with respect so that his wife could properly mourn his death. With that, Achilles pierced Hector Mm. with his spear, and ended his life. Unfortunately for Hector, Achilles wasn't satisfied with this revenge. He would tie Hector's body to his chariot, and drag the corpse through the battlefield, knowing that Helen, Paris, his father, King Priam, and his wife were all watching. That night... King Priam would sneak into Achilles' camp, get down on his knees, and beg Achilles for his son's body. With his rage finally subsided and moved by the king's genuine sorrow, he would give Hector back to the Trojans. The entire city mourned, and Helen was filled with bitter regret. Her love for Paris had completely died, and she had caused the Trojans immense heartache and loss. All hope was now lost for the Trojans, and Achilles' victory was all but assured. Achilles and his men began to climb the walls of Troy. But suddenly, he would feel a horrible pain, the worst pain he had ever felt, in the back of his heel. It was Paris who had shot at Achilles and hit him with a poison dart, and the only part of his body that his mother had not dipped into the river that made him invincible. His skin began to turn white, and his strength failed him. Achilles, the greatest warrior the world had ever seen, was dead. The Greeks fell into utter despair, knowing that victory without Achilles was impossible. The next morning, the Trojans awoke to all of the Greek camps taken down and the ships sailing away from their shores. In front of the gate, there was a large statue of a horse. Enormous cheers erupted through the city. They thought the war had finally been won, and the people opened the gates and brought in this horse, which they believed was a final peace offering from the Greeks. But that night, Greece's greatest soldiers began to file out of the giant horse sculpture killing all of the guards and opening the gates to the impenetrable city, signaling to their ships that their plan had worked. The Trojan citizens would wake up to their city burning and thousands of soldiers running through its streets. After ten years of war, the fall of Troy was here. The Greek soldiers would kill nearly everyone within its walls, including King Priam and Paris, Helen, desperate and afraid, was found not long after. Menelaus, after all these years, raised his sword to kill his wife. But at the sight of her, he realized that he couldn't. Her stunning beauty had captivated him once again, and he still loved her. He would instead forgive Helen and take her back home to Sparta, where they would live a long life together. Throughout time people have argued whether Helen is the villain of this story, manipulative and disloyal, or one of its victims, used for her beauty as a pawn for the gods. Either way, the story of the Trojan War, its tragedies and its triumphs, begin and end with Helen and the face that launched a thousand ships. So how do we recreate this face that launched a thousand ships? What a question this is. Helen's story has been told numerous times in numerous ways throughout the centuries. Her beauty and personality traits change depending on the author, and of course the author's own idea of what the perfect woman looks like. My goal with the recreation here is to make the ideal woman using ancient Greek beauty standards and give an accurate depiction of what a woman considered extremely beautiful in ancient Sparta would look like. Let's first start with some descriptions of Helen that we'll use as a jumping-off point for the recreation. Now, of course Helen is a myth, but I'm going to use these to inform my artwork. Homer's works barely give us anything. We get three descriptors, white-armed, long-dressed, and lovely-haired. Perhaps Homer was intentionally vague, so that each reader could construct their own vision of Helen. In a surviving poem fragment by Sappho, Helen's hair is described as xanthi, which translates to anywhere between blonde, light brown, and reddish. In other lyric poems, she is described as having gleaming blue eyes. Now, let's talk about ancient Greek beauty standards from the time the Iliad and Odyssey were written. For women, a full, softly-shaped body with a small waist was ideal, and this would also apply to the face. They preferred delicately curved facial features. A long, straight aquiline nose, and large eyes can be seen on idealized statues from the time period. The most desirable hair was long, with a wavy texture. One of the reasons Helen is always depicted as light-haired with blue eyes in art is that this was rare coloring for the Greeks, and therefore highly sought after. Helen was Spartan, so she would have worn the Dorian-style peplos typical of Spartan women. This was a tunic-style dress fastened at the shoulders with pins, and was made of linen or fabric similar to wool. Women's clothing would be naturally dyed, and could be any number of colors. High-class women wore plenty of jewelry—rings, armbands, pendants, and earrings—in order to display wealth and decorate themselves. So knowing all this, how do we actually construct Helen? I'm going to show you Helen first while talking through what I did to create her. So let's take a look at my take on the face that launched a thousand ships now.
0: All right, ladies and gents, as you heard, you know, the Greek mythology and the myth of Helen, the Troy, Helen of Troy, ladies and gents. <laughs> I love, like I say, I love history, man. I love Greek myth- mythology. It's very interesting, you know, learn about different cultures and stuff like that. But my two cents is this, man. And, and like I say, there's nothing new under the sun, you know? Years, years ago, man fought for a woman <laughs> that now ended up thousands of people dying. and At the end of the day, homeboy that got cheated on it <laughs> ended up going home with that woman that caused the death of thousands of men. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like I said, there's nothing new under the sun, ladies and gents, nothing new, nothing new, you know, well, uh, you heard that the description, this is a very, very interesting YouTube channel, ladies and gents, definitely, if you like history, like I said, you definitely gonna love this channel, because you cannot see the image, but if you click on the link that I have under the description of my YouTube channel, you can go directly over there, and you can see the whole episode, and you can see the 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 art, the graphic art of the recreation of what they should, the author thought how Helen would look like. You know what I'm saying? Very interesting. But like I say, listen, my my, my that's my two cents about the his the, hist- the story about it. You know that man. Always going to do everything and more than go far and beyond for somebody that he believes that's the chosen one, you know what I mean? And, historically, in my personal opinion, is in the wrong. Helen was on the wrong, you know what I mean, the whole situation. So let me finish this wine right here, ladies and gents. I hope you like this story about Helen of Troy, and take a lesson for your own life and apply <laughs> to whatever is and what you think. The moral story is and how you apply that. To your life and on that note ladies and gents i'd like to thank all of you people that listen to this awesome internationally podcast please keep listening and sharing with all your family and friends good wine and great loves podcast week is coming all the way from the bottom and moving all straight all the way to the top aiming to be the number one spot please feel free to visit my youtube channel. ladies and do not forget to leave a comments Subscribe and click on the like button on all videos that you watch. I appreciate your support. Once again, this is a boy, Casanova. Please be safe, be kind, and be blessed. And do the best what you can do with what you got. And I will see you next Saturday for another episode of Good Wine and Great Laughs Podcast. Until next Saturday... Like a push out on the plant. Holding my tail, I buppers get loose. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the club. Coming with the pull up for the number one spot. Pushing my back, like a push out on the plant. Holding my tail, sucker buppers get loose. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the top. Coming with the pull up for the number one spot. Pushing my back, like a push out on the plant. Holding my tail, I buppers get loose. Coming from the bottom, moving straight to the